This is Streaming Income, a podcast from Bearings, and I'm your host, Greg Campion. On this show, we intend to dig below the headlines to find out what's really going on in public and private asset markets around the world. From fixed income and equities to alternatives and real estate, we'll be speaking with Bearings experts from across the globe to get a glimpse into where they're seeing risks and opportunities today. If you like the show and want to hear more from us, please go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and search Streaming Income or visit us on Bearings.com. That's B-A-R-I-N-G-S.com. On today's show, I spoke with Taryn Leonard and Melissa Rico, co-heads of Bearings Structure Credit Investment Team, a group responsible for managing over $17 billion in collateralized loan obligations as of September 30th, 2019. Taryn joined the firm in 2007, and in addition to her portfolio management and manager evaluation responsibilities, she also serves as a member of Bearings Global High Yield Investment Allocation Committee. Melissa joined the firm in 1999, And in addition to her portfolio management and manager evaluation responsibilities, she is a member of the firm's global investment grade allocation committee. In the conversation, we spoke about today's credit market backdrop and specifically the outlook for leveraged loans. And we also discussed where the risks and opportunities exist in today's market, particularly in light of some of the recent press we've seen on triple C rated loans. Finally, we talked about the increasing trend toward including CLOs in broader credit mandates. With that, please enjoy this conversation with Taryn Leonard and Melissa Rico. All right, Taryn, Melissa, great having you here today. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having us. Good to be here. Awesome. So we are talking about collateralized loan obligations, CLOs. It's an asset class that you both know very well, that you live and breathe every day and that you've worked in for many years. It's also an asset class that we've talked about on this show before in pretty good detail. What I'm hoping that we can do today is really focus on what is going on in this market now and what does that mean for investors and potential investors in this space. So, Melissa, I'd like to start kind of high level. If we look at markets, generally speaking, you almost have a little bit of a dichotomy going on in that you've got the S&P 500 recently breaking out to new highs. You've got the economy still in pretty good shape in terms of low unemployment, the economy still growing, that sort of stuff. But we have seen some stress in parts of the credit markets and including the loan market. So maybe just start high level and talk to us about what you're seeing overall in the credit markets generally and then maybe in the loan market specifically. Um, There is definitely a risk-off sentiment in the market, it feels, today. You know, I think investors are really concerned over the economy, whether it's uh, slowing global growth, trade tensions, as well as just the fact that we're late cycle. And so specific to loans, I would say idiosyncratic risks are starting to appear more often in the market. We're starting to see large price movements, um, as well as a concern over downgrades in the B3 rated part of the market. And this is causing a a bifurcation in terms of low quality versus high quality. So overall, I would say, looking back, you know, loans seem to be out of favor Mm -hmm. in a sense in that we've seen outflows as well as they've underperformed bonds. Taryn, from your perspective, I mean, does this mean there is potentially value in loans? And and of course, the reason why we're talking about loans so much is because they're the underlying uh, asset class uh, that comprise CLOs. Do you think there's an opportunity there that this is presenting? 
I absolutely think that there is an opportunity there. On the load side of the equation to start, you've had 12 straight months and very soon, probably 13 straight mm-hmm. months of mm-hmm. outflows from retail funds. You know, retail investors were very interested in the loan market in 2018, really, when they were worried about rising rates. Right. Once the Fed pivoted to a dovish tone, really in the end of the first quarter of 2019, we started to see large-scale exodus out of retail funds. And as a result, loans have traded off a lot. And so it's created opportunities. I sit as a voting member related to structured credit on Barings High Yields Allocation Committee for our multi-strategy funds. Mm -hmm. And we've actually started to pivot and add to our exposure on loans because Mm -hmm. loans have sold off so much that we think that they're more attractive and not only on a yield basis versus bonds currently, Mm -hmm. but the fact that they're secured assets, we think that over time, they'll outperform and that this is a really good entry point. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, We've talked about this concept of almost a contrarian call on loans with Martin Horn recently on another episode. And I guess at some stage, it intuitively makes sense that when you have 12 months of outflows, uh, ultimately there's going to be value there. And I think some of the points you make around the asset class being secured, some of the other structural benefits that make loans a more defensive asset class, even if it doesn't always feel like it with a lot of the headlines we see day to day, I think that makes a lot of sense. All right, so Melissa, let's turn our attention to today's market and what you're seeing. And you never really go too far into talking about market dynamics uh, without talking about what's happening with supply and demand. So maybe help us understand why the supply demand picture is so important for analyzing this asset class, and then maybe what you're seeing there this year and even more recently. Supply in the CLO market has actually been quite strong. Uh, year to date, we're at about $100 billion, And it's especially impressive to me as we look back on the heels of what has been two previous strong years in the CLO market as well. And what I think this speaks to is really the low rate environment that we've been in. And investors across the globe are, are looking for ways to add yield. And CLOs are quite attractive relative to other asset classes. In terms of where we are today, I would say the picture has has changed somewhat in that in the fourth quarter, the expectation was for supply to increase. But what's happened is really the opposite in that spreads are on CLO liabilities quite wide, and that's causing the equity arbitrage to be somewhat challenged. And so it's where, you know, CLO liabilities are, are wide, whereas the loan assets have pretty much stayed the same. And so that's the reason for that challenge, if you will. From a demand perspective, we see this as possible opportunity uh, in that it does seem like demand from investors has weaned a bit with the general risk-off sentiment in the market. All right, Taryn. So let's turn our attention to where you're seeing value up and down the capital stack today. And I'd like to hear your view on the mezzanine tranches specifically, but tell me about where you're seeing value and where you're seeing risks. So there are definitely increased risks in the mezzanine space. I also think that there's a ton of opportunity right now. So from a risk perspective, we have seen a number of loans that have traded off in a significant way Mm -hmm. because of real credit issues. Mm -hmm. And deals that have larger exposures to those recently storied credits have definitely traded off in a much more significant way than deals that have less risk in the portfolio. So similar to the way that we talked about a bifurcated loan market, and an up in quality bias, we're 100% seeing the same thing in the CLO mezzanine space. That being said, I think that 
new issues in particular, and double Bs, but also triple Bs, mm-hmm. are very attractive right now as an entry point. Double B buyers right now are earning roughly two and a quarter times the loan spread to buy double Bs. For much of 2018, that was about 1.6 times. Hmm. So I think in a historical perspective, it's a very interesting time to enter the market. Got it. What's happening specifically with regards to triple Cs? I've seen so many headlines around triple Cs potentially breaching levels where they contractually need to be below. But help us understand what's happening there and what the implications are. I think one of the things that's very different this cycle than the last cycle is that CLO portfolios are positioned with a much bigger exposure to B3-rated credits. So as we look out at the forecast of rating agencies and people expect that there could be a large spate of downgrades, folks are very concerned that triple Cs will increase and increase in a large order of magnitude. Most CLO structures can have 7.5% triple C rated collateral, and it's business as usual. Once you get above 7.5%, then cash diversion comes in. So people are very worried that just downgrades to triple Cs could result in equity distributions being diverted to either purchase more collateral or pay down structures. I want to come back to that because I want to understand if there is a value opportunity there being created by what's essentially a technical factor in the market. How about loans trading below 80? What's happening there and what do we need to know? Not all CLO investors have the ability that we do to really drill down on the underlying collateral and leverage our analyst opinions. And so one of the metrics that it's easy for people to look at and compare across deals is what percentage of the collateral in the portfolio is trading at a dollar price below 80. And that bucket of loans trading below 80 has absolutely ticked up across deals. And the interesting thing is, it is potentially an indicator of risk in the portfolio for sure, Mm -hmm. but it's not as doomsday as people sometimes focus on. And the reason I say that is that Like we talked about with the loan market, we're very much in a risk-off market right now, and there's a big bifurcation between people wanting to be up in quality. And so when you look at credits trading below 80, there's sort of two large buckets. One is credits that are trading below 60. Those are names that are truly distressed, are likely to default, are likely to have losses potentially in a significant way. However, there's also a a technical going on whereby CLOs on average are the end buyers for roughly 50% of the loan market. And CLO buyers cannot buy loans trading below 80 without haircutting them in the tests that decide whether or not we're going to divert cash flows from equity. And so there's sort of this technical factor where there's a lot of names that are trading somewhere between a $70 price and an $80 price that there's certainly noise surrounding them, but they're not necessarily near-term default candidates. And in many instances, they have years of runway, but there's no natural buyer. CLOs don't want to buy them, and they're not trading at levels that are attractive enough yet for distressed buyers Mm -hmm. to step in. Mm -hmm. So they're sort of stuck in no man's land. So you really need to drill down and understand those names and the credit risks in them. Melissa Taran just gave us two really good examples of some technical factors that are happening in the market today. Are those technical factors actually now leading to value opportunities? Absolutely, I think it is. And um, to Taryn's point, it's really about drilling down deeper into what we really think about these credits. And obviously, there's you know 150 
issuers in a CLO, and you can't be experts on all of them. But really, for us, it's drilling down on the right names and hearing about what both our high-yield team thinks about them, as well as all of the other managers that we cover. And so I think having those conversations with managers on credits on a regular basis is important as well as thinking about what those managers will do in times of stress on those names. So to Taryn's point, when you have credits that trade down and not being a lot of support in the market because CLOs aren't natural buyers, it's are the managers going to be opportunistic, take advantage of those types of situations, which we think a CLO is set up very well to do that. And that in times of volatility, they could be adding value by investing in some of those names if they mm-hmm, have conviction mm-hmm. on them. So right now it does feel like a lot of those credits that are trading in that AD context, yes, while there are issues that are credit specific, it doesn't feel like the market feels that's the ultimate recovery of those names. And so that's what a CLO manager should be focused on is really the ultimate recovery. Yeah. So we've talked a good bit about the mezzanine part of the capital structure. Melissa, I know that you sit on the firm's investment grade allocation committee that looks across not only CLOs, but other corporate credit, securitized credit, all investment grade rated asset classes. As you look at the top of the capital stack for CLO, I'm interested, are you seeing value there today? And then with that kind of broader view that comes from being part of that allocation committee, I'm curious as to how investment grade rated CLO tranches are stacking up maybe versus other corporate credit. So absolutely, investment grade uh, rated CLO tranches look attractive in almost every comparison you could make from a spread perspective to both corporates as well as securitized. So for example, a AAA tranche is 30 basis points more than the IG index on average. And you can say the same thing for triple Bs. Triple B spreads and CLOs are equivalent to a single B-rated loan portfolio, just Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as an example. And so we have found value in investment-grade tranches and are allocating as such. And I think especially at the top part of the stack, AAA, AA, they're extremely defensive. And Taryn, I guess, you know, I'm bouncing around a little bit, but if you go down then to the bottom of the capital structure, we talked a little bit about equity, but tell us, is there value in CLO equity at this point in the cycle or how are you thinking about that today? I don't think that there's a lot of value in new issue equity right now. It seems like most of the new issue CLOs that are getting done today, it's more of an AUM growth game for the manager, and they're taking down all the equity in their own deals as opposed to having them distributed to third parties because Uh. there aren't a lot of third parties who want to raise their hand right now. Where I think the interesting opportunity is in equity right now is in the secondary market. Because, as we talked about, loans have sold off, Mm -hmm. net asset values for CLO equity have gone down quite a bit. And as a result, valuations of CLO equity have gone down quite a bit. Mm. And it's not just technical because of the net asset value. As I mentioned, there is increasing tail risk Mm -hmm. in CLOs and particularly in deals that have been outstanding for a while. So we haven't seen a lot of sellers yet. For the most part, people who own CLO equity tend to be fairly sophisticated investors, and they're not necessarily looking to sell into the current environment. But to the extent we see things from time to time, I think it's a very compelling time to buy secondary equity. Hmm. That's great. Great context. 
Okay, so as we think about what the next 12, 24 months looks like, if we're getting towards the end of the credit cycle, then almost definitionally, I guess we'll see a rise in defaults in the underlying loans that comprise CLOs. So just tell me about, Melissa, as you think about managing through this type of scenario, what does your playbook look like? We've been here before. You know, I'd say in an obviously much more extreme case, but really the key is patience, understanding your risks, as well as the CLO structure works very well. It's it's proven to. So really what we try to do is identify risks ahead of the market, and we use different early warning signs and our significant amounts of data in an effort to do that. You know, we try to get it right at the initial underwrite, of course, but it's really about monitoring for changes that we're seeing in the market. And really, we think manager selection is quite critical. We've seen a lot of dispersion in manager performance over time, and we think really the manager can add value to CLOs in terms of how they trade and react to the market. So in this environment where you're trying to understand risks, I guess you're also looking for opportunity, obviously, right, Darren? So if you think about what the market is pricing in today, do you think it's sort of overdone to some degree? I think that most of the risks looking forward for the next 18 to 24 months, in my mind, are more than priced in at this point. I think people are making fairly draconian assumptions about where things are today and if things default, what ultimate recovery will be on certain credits. And I think that there's a lot of babies being thrown out with the Mm bathwater, quite honestly. mm -hmm. So I think there's significant opportunities in the market, but I think you really need to drill down to the underlying portfolios and you really need to understand the risks in them. And as Melissa said, you need to really be confident in the managers with whom you are choosing to invest and understand their style and make sure there hasn't been style drift. And Mm -hmm. we spend a lot of time focusing on that. You know, it's interesting when you ask Melissa about what's your plan amongst this volatility. I mean, we talk all the time, and our biggest thing that we're saying to the group is, and again, we've been through this before, Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. don't panic. Yeah. People who have been through this before, I think, are better prepared to handle volatility like this. And so from our perspective, you don't sell into a market like this. Yeah. You sort of put on your seatbelt, and you know it could be volatile. You're going to go through some turbulence, and you— buy the tranches from the managers that you like and that you think the structures are strong. So I guess maybe just thinking about it from Bearings investors' standpoint or other investors who are looking at the asset class, maybe they're already invested in it, maybe it's something they're trying to wrap their heads around as part of an allocation. You know, Melissa, tell us just what you're seeing just in terms of trends among how investors are using the asset class, how they're investing into it, and maybe if that differs by institutional and retail investors. I would say generally we continue to see interest in separately managed accounts from institutional investors. Those can be customized, and I think that that's attractive in that they can sort of pick the spots in terms of where they want to invest as well as put any type of restrictions and kind of yield targets around those. One change that we're seeing over the recent years is investors are looking for a manager to invest across the broader credit spectrum. Mm-hmm. And so we're, you know, seeing that in a lot of multi-strategy type accounts. And that's been, you know, a change. And they're really looking for the managers to 
tell them where they feel like the best value is across the board. Is that true in the investment grade space and in the high yield space? That's right. We're seeing that both in investment grade and high yield, and we have multi-strategy accounts for both. That's interesting. Um, More of a one-stop shop approach in letting a manager pick where relative value exists. And I guess that makes sense when you have managers who are living and breathing these markets every day and understand when CLOs look cheap to loans and vice versa. Uh, I just want to get your final thoughts. So, Melissa, let's start with you. Any final takeaways from you? So CLOs have historically offered strong risk-adjusted returns for investors. We think that will continue to be the case. But it's important to have a longer-term view, really with an eye towards risk management, as well as manager behavior. Taryn, how about from you? I guess I first do want to acknowledge that, yes, we are late cycle and there are increased risks in markets. However, I think that those risks are a lot more contained than recent headlines would suggest. I think that there are a lot of opportunities in the market right now, and you just have to be very cognizant in making sure that you're really doing your work on structures, collateral, and managers. And if you do your work appropriately, I think that there is a lot of interesting opportunity right now. Yeah, that comes through to me as well. I mean, I think just this whole idea around patience, around looking at how the asset class has performed uh, in cycles through the past, manager selection, credit selection, doing your homework, and what you all are doing, which looking for opportunity, especially when some of these technical factors can drive it. So, I've learned a lot today. Thank you for bringing us up to speed on this asset class. It it can be complicated. I think you've done a great job of demystifying it, and I really appreciate it. So thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks again for listening to today's show. If you have feedback or ideas on how we can improve it, we want to hear from you. Send us an email at podcast at bearings.com. That's podcast at B-A-R-I-N-G-S dot com. And if you'd like to stay up to date with our latest episodes, you can subscribe to the show by searching Streaming Income on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. While you're there, please take a moment to rate the show or leave us a review. They're all very much appreciated and they make the show easier for others to find. Thanks again for listening.